Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mario's Minutes. In case you do not know, this is a podcast I do here monthly in two forms. First of all, I do it in a video form here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel, although there's not really all too much to it. Admittedly, it's just a uh, really my background photo, I suppose, like my channel art and a cool looking visualizer. At least I think it's a cool looking visualizer, uh, but there's not all too much to it. It's more just to put something on the channel there in that form. But since this is a podcast, it's available, well, like an actual podcast that you can listen to, use, and consume wherever the hell you want to. Simply look up Mario's Minute on your favorite podcasting app or platform, and you should hopefully be able to find it. Now, it's not available on all podcasting platforms, but it's available on most. Now, this is the second podcast I do here. My first and main one is Mod Chat, where I mostly talk about cool developments that I think are pretty neat and worth covering in the modding scene. But Mario's Minute is where I just talk about whatever the hell I want to. So many times I do talk about video games, but it's also just kind of my creative, rambly, but low effort outlet where I could just really be personal and talk about whatever I feel like talking about at this point in time. So that's why there's not all too much that goes into it here visually, just because it's more a conversation that I'm kind of having with you here. So either way, I do typically switch it up where every other month I try and have a guest on. Last month we did have Frame Raider on, and that was a real fun episode. So if you enjoy Frame Raider and his content, I would recommend checking that out, and maybe even the previous one he was on. He was actually the first return guest here on the channel. But this month here we're going solo, and you know what, I'd say this is a good month to go solo as well too, because this is episode 50. Now, for anybody who might have done the math on here, uh, I do this here monthly, and at this point, I have been doing this for over four years. It's hard to believe it's go been going on for that long. I doubt there's all too many people who have listened to all, I guess at this point, 50 or 51 episodes, and the reason why I have that, that number there is because there is technically, technically, episode zero of Mario's Minute. Um, I will say that was kind of more of a test run, dry run that I had done to test the waters uh, over four years ago now. Jeez, I kind of put out a little call like, hey, uh, trying out a podcast if anybody wants to listen to this, but not just for fun, like listen to it and give me some advice on it. Uh, please, that would be much appreciated. And there were a few people who reached out and, you know, the people who did, I think it was uh, my friend uh, James Rayner, who's been on here, Escort Do, and there has to be at least one or two others that honestly, I'm blanking on the names and I do apologize, but y'all know who you are. Uh, but it is... It's not that it's private, I guess it's unlisted slash slightly hidden, so if you're really interested in the, I suppose you can say, demo of Mario's Minute, it's out there. I'll say that, it's out there, but, you know, the reason why I even started this podcast was because over four years ago now, feels weird saying that, man. <laughs> Point is, over four years ago, um, I was working on getting... Uh, I guess more consistent, I've always kind of consistently uploaded here on the channel, but uh, I was reducing my uploads a little bit, um, just because I had a lot going on in life, uh, I was, just because of work, I was traveling quite a bit, and it was getting to the point where I was like, oh, you know, if I'm working full-time, and I'm doing, I think at the time it was two videos a week, uh, which even then that was a little less than what I was doing before, but I was dedicating like every Wednesday, every Saturday I would upload. And I was like, between everything, there's times I'm forgetting to take care of myself. So I need to pull back a little bit. So I went from two like two videos a week to one video a week. Uh, but I figured as well too, that it would be, you know, four weeks in a month. So that would be going from eight videos to four videos. But typically in those eight videos, Mod Chat would be one of them. So I was still going to keep Mod Chat on and that was going to be a midweekly thing. And then I wanted something else in there as well too. And one thing I used to do was when the channel was smaller and when I was kind of just uploading whatever, I like to share a lot of personal stories over gameplay commentary and just more rambly videos and all that. And I said, you know, I've been doing the, the Mod Chat podcast thing for a while. Uh, maybe I could try a long form podcast. I don't, 
I don't think it's going to be. I'm not doing this to make it successful by any means. And at this point, that's still a thing. This is just where I come on here and I talk for like an hour or two and I have fun. Sometimes I have a guest on, sometimes I don't. But I still wanted to have that fun, creative outlet. But as opposed to doing it in a few videos, I said, you know what? I'm just going to do it in a podcast form. I'm going to see where it goes. And does Mario's Minute get a ton of viewership, a ton of listenership? No. But does it get more than I expect? Absolutely it does. Like, absolutely it does. I have, like, a very low standard in regards to, like, the return for Mario's Minute. So if anybody says, like, oh, this doesn't get that many views, I'm like, it's gotten a lot more views than I've expected. It's never been like that for me. It's more just I still want to have my positive, I, I guess, public creative outlet on here where I can talk about whatever the hell I want to kind of in this you know public space as well too uh, and then I also kind of do it like this on purpose where it's very much a thing of the people who regularly listen to Mario's Minute and thank you very much and even if you're just a casual listener again thank you but the people who really listen to Mario's Minute are more interested and invested, I guess, in me as a person, so they're going to like that personal touch. While as if you're just here for, you know, tutorial videos, or let's say a specific game console's videos, then that's fine as well, too. And Mario's Mint's probably not going to appeal to you, and that is totally okay. I have no issue with that. But either way, when I kind of had that all set up, I said I'm going to go from eight videos to four videos a week, but I'm, well, per, not per week, geez, per month, but I'm going to go to still have mod chat, so that's going to bring me to five, and let's try Mario's Minute, that's going to bring me to six, so overall, even though they're not strictly videos, I'm going to go from about eight uploads a month to six uploads a month, so it's not going to be a huge hit, and I did take a little bit of hit in numbers and everything, but honestly, I was able to get a lot of my time and sanity back, which really helped out, so that's kind of the the beginning of why I started Mario's Minute, and the reason why I continue it is because I enjoy this. I like getting on here and just talking about whatever the hell I want to for an hour or two. I like bringing on a guest and doing the same thing as well, too, and I guess this is this is something even when I have guests on that people will say, and I never really try to correct it because I'm like, well, this isn't really what I'm going after, but I also understand this kind of the common ground. It's not meant as an insult. There will be people who say, oh, I really liked that interview with this person or that person. I'm like, that's cool. I appreciate it, but I never, I never look at this as an interview. Now, I have done at least two interviews here overall on the channel, but it's never been on Mario's Minute. I've always even told my guests, I've said, you know, this is just, I just want to shoot the shit with you. I just want to talk. I just want to hang out. I think it will be a good time. And we're going to have some topics, but we'll go loose on them. And honestly, this is just going to be a conversation between two friends that we're going to have recording in the background. That's all there is to it. It's super low key. It's going to be super, I guess, personal as personal as people want it to be some people want to share more than others and that is totally fine but yeah uh, it's something that I have fun with and again even with the the people who listen the people who view it's more than I expected and again I thank you so much for that but the people who do listen and watch this really like it really fuck with it really enjoy it and because it is such a personal project to me it means so much more in that regard. So I do truly mean it, and I say thank you, but I'm surprised I got up to 50 episodes. I got here a lot quicker than I expected. So could we do another 50? Let's see. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to be ramping up any production on here. Uh, by that, I mean I'm not going to be doing two or three episodes a month of Mario's Minute. No, it's still going to be a monthly thing. So uh, in about four years, we'll, we'll see if we're talking about this on episode 100. I'm not sure if we'll be, but let's just see where it goes. <laughs> so thank you very much to everybody who's been listening, whether you've been listening for the past nine minutes or if you've been listening to a few episodes. Thank you very much. And if you still want to stick around, fantastic. If not, it's all good. I thank you for hanging out here so far. But either way, let's get into something, you know, technical but personal here. And this is something I just finished resolving, right? You can probably hear in my voice I am a little bit tilted by this. So a few years ago, I got a Samsung QLED 
TV. I did not get an OLED, I got a QLED, and I did some research on this as well too. Uh, I was upgrading from a 55-inch Vizio, and this Vizio was always okay. Like, it, it was technically a smart TV, but it was kind of lacking in the smart features. It only had one port, 4K60. It didn't have HDR. The The TV just wasn't really that good. The black levels were not great on there either, which was disappointing because I actually, my first nice TV I ever really splurged and got myself, I still have to this day. It is a 42-inch Vizio. Uh, it's fantastic. I love that thing. And my thought process was, oh, if I can get this TV but in 55-inch, I'm all good. And that wasn't the case. Unfortunately, the TV is bigger, but it's a downgrade. So a few years ago, I want to say it was about four years ago at this point. Yeah, because I got it in, no, three years ago. I got it in 2019. Yeah. The TV had just annoyed me enough over the maybe three years that I owned it that I said, you know what? I'm okay with the size. I don't need anything bigger than a 55-inch. Hell, I don't even need a 55-inch, all right? It's, it was a want. But it's like, I, I'm not trying to go bigger, but I do want to go better. So I ended up looking up TVs, and I found a... I found I've always loved the Samsung lineup of TVs. I've always loved the image. I thought they were great. I've loved the features on them. Uh, I know at this point now, everything changes over several years, but I know the... LG, I think it's the CX series, is really hailed as, like, the good shit right now. But either way, I was more than happy with Samsung, what I'd seen and it, what I experienced. And it was kind of like when I upgraded my camera on my channel. I had thought of getting a nice camcorder, and then I looked around, and I was like, you know, every camera I see on YouTube, the ones that impress me are DSLRs. And at that point, I was so new, I didn't even know you could record video on a DSLR. I thought those were only for photographs. So upgrading to that was real nice. And then, you know, over a few years, I upgraded to a second DSLR. But that was the type of thing I wanted. And that was kind of how it was for TVs for me. It was always Samsung was the it was always the screen that impressed me. It was always a screen that impressed me in terms of features, in terms of, you know, how it looked and everything. So I was looking for a Samsung TV. I want to splurge a little bit as well, too. I was trying to treat myself, okay? So I found a, I, I wasn't going, you know, OLED. I was going QLED. Um, yeah, because that's it. I was going QLED on there. So I found the QLED lineup. Seemed to fit within my budget. Seemed to, you know, tick all the boxes I was looking for. And then funny enough, I was able to actually save a little bit of money because I was looking around and it was hard to get this particular model, right? But I found like the right make and model, the right price for myself, but it was the 2018 model. And I was buying this in 2019. And the reason why I didn't buy the 2019 model is because I actually did a comparison. I was looking on RTings and I was doing a comparison and the 2019 model was actually scoring lower. And for what I was looking for, which is mainly video games and such, it was actually pulling in lower ratings in the 2018 model. So I said, wait a minute, if I go one year older, I'm going to get a TV that's reviewing better, that has features that match more towards me, what I'm looking for, and I'm going to save like 300 bucks in the process? Hell yeah. So it was on Amazon. I, I bought this. I got it shipped. I was super excited. What do you know? The screen was busted. Bad. Bad. FedEx messed up real bad. And I didn't see that until I had it downstairs and I was about to hook it up. And oh man, that screen was busted. And I'm saying FedEx here because I, FedEx always does me dirty on this. I always have issues with FedEx. When it comes to any type of the shipping places, I always have issues with FedEx. But either way, it was funny because I had this, and then I'm just like, you know what? I have to put it right back in the box. I'm going to return it. Thankfully, it was easy enough to return because it was Amazon, but it was a third-party seller, so all I could do was just refund it, which was still more than enough. But I had one of my friends who worked at UPS come over and help me because I was like, hey, um, you're good at this, and because I, I I can 
I can trust you with shipping stuff. Like, can you help me out? And it's funny because she, she even told me, she's like, yeah, you don't really ask for help all that often. So I figured when you're asking me, yeah, it's something big. And yo, she helped me pack that thing back up, tape it up like a pro. She had her car all set up. We got it slid in there. We ran over to a UPS store. We returned that thing back. I think I, because uh, I didn't, you know, print off a label at home. I think I had to pay like five bucks or something to get it printed there, but whatever. And in the interim, I, they didn't have that many TVs left, but I took my chance. I said, you know, I'm going to order a second one from the same seller. The second one, thank the Lord, thank the powers that be, came in beautifully. I checked it before I lugged it downstairs into my game room, but it was fine. Put it up on the, like, put it up on my uh, entertainment center, hooked it up. Oh my God, that, that, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. That was three years ago, right? And the problem is, um, I realized that while all the extra features that the TV has, you know, like dynamic uh, color modes and uh, like frame interpolation and all that fun stuff, like those are fun. Those were cool. Don't get me wrong. But I realized for me, I turn off a lot of those fancy features. I enable game mode. I turn off a lot of the extra features and the extra fluff that TV has to offer because for me, I've kind of realized... I just want the the content, the visual content displayed to me as nicely as possible. Don't do any extra stuff. Don't try to make it look like it's running at a higher frame rate. Don't mess and manipulate with the colors. Don't give me a dynamic mode and all that stuff. Just take the image that's there and show it to me nicely. That's really what I'm wanting at that point. <laughs> so... That's how I've been rolling with this TV. But there's been one issue that has just kind of ate away at me for the past three years. And I'll demonstrate it to you, right? Or I'll explain it. So imagine you're you're watching a movie. It's most It shows up most in films. Imagine you're watching a movie in widescreen where you have the black bars at the top and the bottom of the screen because it's not taking up, you know, the full frame, you know, just with aspect ratio, just imagine that, right? So those black bars should be just solid black. Now, there's a lot of films and even games I'll just enable subtitles on. Um, I've gotten a bit used to that recently. (laughs) And it's not even a hearing thing, don't worry, but I just realized like, oh, you know, I actually enjoy reading the subtitles because I'm able to get a lot more of the details and I'm able to enjoy this more in a way. Now, imagine every time the subtitles pop up, the entire screen, the brightness kind of ends up adjusting because of that because of whatever's on screen. So if, for example, you're watching a dark film, then the screen will just naturally get darker. But then if you're watching that dark film and there's white subtitles at the bottom, the entire screen brightens up. And the problem is, it looks terrible when this happens. It looks quite washed out. And it's something that I've always noticed. And Every few months, it bugs me enough to the point where I just do a deep dive into the TV settings. And I've been able to disable enough of the extra fluff on the settings where I'm able to have it at a tolerable mode. But then every few months, just something will happen and I'll just get annoyed again. And just recently, a few days ago, my annoyance just hit, it finally, it it finally just broke. It finally broke. And let me be clear. This shocked me because it's it's not a setting that is in the regular settings on the TV. It is not a defect. There's nothing. I, I have it on the highest firmware. What I'm saying is the TV was working as expected, which made it even more frustrating. But I just started looking things up. I was watching the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which, you know what? For what it was, I enjoyed it. If you just kind of turn off your brain, don't take it too seriously. For what it was, you know, a 2022 version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I appreciated it for what it was. That's besides the point, though. This is a good example because my girlfriend and I were watching this, and I just started getting annoyed watching this. Not because of the film, but because there's so many dark points in the film, and you have these subtitles on the bottom that I had enabled, and it would just brighten up the entire screen. 
And I was just, I finally got sick of it because it was happening. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's constant. It's in, it's in menus. It's in TV shows, games, movies. It, it's in everything. It's not like a thing of, oh, just turn on game mode, turn off game mode, use a different system. Like, no, it's in everything. So I started just Googling like a madman, like Samsung model of the TV, uh, keeps dimming automatically dimming uh dimming with with subtitles just i was looking things up and it brought me to something which is a feature on this tv that many other samsung tvs have called pulse with modulation and this is the exact feature it is not a bug it's not a glitch it's not a defect it is a feature that samsung tvs have i don't know why they have it i don't know who thought it was a good idea and worst of all worst of all i am y'all don't really hear me get mad or get angry or like rant because i really don't anymore but this is like the closest i get to it at this point right i just don't understand which samsung engineers which testers had implemented this and done these tests and looked at content on these tvs and thought that this was acceptable to have not only as a feature but as something that you cannot disable by regular means because the feature is called pulse with modulation but guess what guess what you cannot manipulate it enable or disable it at will you it's not hacking the tv it's not even doing i guess it's doing a customization or a modification so technically i was modding a tv for the first time and it was pretty simple to do what i do when i finally looked this up There are people who complained about it. There are people on amazing forums who have documented this. And they said, these are the two settings that you have to change. And I don't remember exactly what they are, but they they both have PWM in them. But to get to those settings, they are buried and buried and buried. And they're even buried further because you have to access the service menu on the TV itself. Not the regular menu, not the settings menu, not the options menu, the service menu. Now, to do this, at least on my TV, you have to look up, you know, your Samsung. Like, for this, it was, like, Samsung TV service mode. And there's, like, eight different ways to get into service mode, depending on your TV. On mine in particular, you have to get, like, the full remote that my TV did not come with, by the way. And I think I had to first turn off the TV. Then I had to press mute, one, eight, two, and then turn the TV on with the remote. And at that point, it boots the TV into service mode, and you have a service menu that you have to go through. But you have to go through certain settings in a certain order, and then you have to highlight another setting. You have to press 0 four times. It unlocks more settings. You have to then go in there, and then you can manipulate and modify the two settings that you need to to really... uh, there there's these values they go from zero to 100 one of them is set to 15 one of them is set to 30 and if you just boost both of them to 100 it essentially disables this feature but either way i did that just now like right before i recorded this episode but in order to do that again one thing that i did praise samsung for ended up being something that i had to spend some money on This Samsung TV, despite it being smart and everything, they end up giving me a super basic remote. Now, it doesn't use infrared. It more uses um, sound to connect to the TV, which is pretty cool. It's not Bluetooth. It's more sound-based. But there's only a few buttons on there, which I don't mind because I think they realize most people don't use the giant plethora of buttons available on, you know, a universal remote or full remote. They really just want to turn the TV on, change some settings, change the input, up, down, left, right, enter, volume up, volume down, channel up, channel down, mute. Like, that's pretty much what this, this uh, how do I say, uh, this remote does. And I've been more than happy with it. But I had to go and buy like a full Samsung remote, like one that has every single button on it, every single feature, has a full number pad on it. And from what I understand, I think these these remotes are more expensive. They're like close to a hundred bucks. Now, 
Thankfully, I found one on Amazon. It says it's Samsung. I don't think it's Samsung, man. I'm pretty sure it's a clone, and it just says Samsung on there. But point is, it was linked. It was recommended. It was like 15 bucks. I bought this thing, and yo, I will tell you all, I will tell you, that is the best $15 I spent on this TV. Because I excitedly, once I got it, I put some batteries in. I ran over to my TV. I tried the first option to get into service mode. Didn't work. I tried the second option, which I just explained to you all, and that worked. And oh my God, I was able to go in there. I was able to boost both of those settings values to 100, turned off the TV, turn it on, end up resetting like my HDR and all this other stuff. So I had to go through that on the PS5 again. And then as my test, I loaded up the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I went to some dark settings. I had the subtitles on. Oh my God. Oh my God. My, my TV for watching like darker content with elements of just bright things sprinkled in the visual content that come up, it is properly viewable for the first time in years. It is amazing, but I'm just dumbfounded why this setting exists, why it's enabled by default, why it is so buried to the point where you cannot disable it by regular means, but mainly just even at the beginning, why this exists because it doesn't look good. It's distracting. It's annoying. And even for me, when I got used to it, it would still be annoying because again, just load up a dark film, like a film that is just visually dark and turn subtitles on or even just wait until bright things happen. Like there could be I know, a bright box in the, in the lower corner of the screen and it just look makes the rest of the image look washed out. I'm happy that now at this point, it's like about three years later, I can, I feel like I can fully enjoy this TV and it, it, I did kind of drag my feet on this because this is something I could have figured out, you know, two, three years ago, but man, I, I don't know what Samsung is doing on that. I don't know if anybody else has heard of this feature either. Pulse with modulation. If you have, let me know. I would be very interested. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm just disappointed. I mean, I'm happy it's where it's at now, but I'm disappointed overall. So, even more disappointment. I want to talk about the Wii U and 3DS eShops being discontinued. Now, I am pulling this up from Nintendo's customer support, and I'm just going to read this here. This is for the discontinuation of the eShop, and this applies to the new 3DS, the new 3DS XL, the new 2DS XL, the 3DS, the 3DS XL, the 2DS, the Wii U Deluxe, and the Wii U Basic. Now, quoting this here. As of late March 2023, it will no longer be possible to make purchases in the Nintendo eShop for the Wii U system and the Nintendo 3DS family of systems. It will also no longer be possible to download free content, including game demos. Furthermore, as this date draws closer, related services will cease to function. As of May 23rd, 2022, it will no longer be possible to use a credit card to add funds to an account in the Nintendo eShop or the Wii U Uh, the Nintendo eShop on Wii U, or the Nintendo 3DS family of systems. As of August 29th, 2022, it will no longer be possible to use a Nintendo eShop card to add funds to an account in Nintendo eShop or Wii U or the Nintendo 3DS family of systems. However, it will still be possible to redeem download codes until late March 2023. Wow, okay, um... There is so much I don't like about this. There is so much I don't like about this here. First of all, these systems, the these services have, they've been on for a good amount of time, but not at the same time. The 3DS came out in 2011, I want to say, and the Wii U came out in 2012. So this is, you know... 11 and 10 years respectively we're getting this announcement and you could say hey they're giving us a year of leeway on here because at this point then it's pretty much going to mean that the 3ds will have its eShop up for about 12 years and the wii u will have its shop up for about 11 years but that's not fully the case just because let's even take out the whole credit card functionality on there it's saying this i'm recording this episode here in February of 2022, and that's when it's going to release as well. 
but it's saying in six months that you will not be able to add funds at all on the system, on the 3DS or the Wii U. So at that point, you won't be like, let's say September rolls around and you realize, oh, there's a few Wii U games that I want to buy that I can only pick up digitally. If you don't have the funds in your account at that point, you cannot purchase those games, even though the eShop will still be up for another, what, seven months at that point? This is not good. I, I don't like when shops like this go down. And I've talked about this a few times. I know last year, several months ago, I talked about the uh, the Vita, the PSP, the PS3 storefronts being shut down kind of in the same way as well, too, where they were pretty much saying, hey, we're going to, in a way, make it read, make it viewable only. That's it. They were going to make it so after a certain date, you could no longer purchase content on the PSP, the Vita, and the PlayStation 3 digital storefronts. But if you have those systems and you're able to connect them to the digital storefronts and you have an account with licenses available on it, you can still, as long as the storefronts are available and as long as you have a connection, you can still go and re-download that content, but you cannot purchase any new content. Sony, however, gave a much, much lower grace period on this, and there was a huge outcry against it. A huge outcry. So Sony ended up backing off. That's not to say that they permanently backed off. Essentially, Sony's messaging was, hey, uh, we messed up. We hear you all loud and clear. At this time, we're not going to shut the storefronts down. But keyword at, at this time, they I don't remember what the exact language was, but the exact language was pretty much, we're going to back off for now. <laughs> Nintendo's not going to do that. I'm going to say that directly here. Uh, Nintendo's more set in their ways here. And when they're saying here, hey, May, August, March 2023, they are going to stay firm on those dates. So at this point, if there's any content, any digital content they're wanting to purchase on the 3DS or the Wii U eShops, you better do it now. Like, you better do it now, because as we're going to get closer to these dates, I'm sure there's going to be more content that's going to be delisted, and there might be even some more issues that are going to like crop up in regards to trying to add funds uh, or trying to do purchases. So that's why I'm saying, even if you're listening to this right now in February, and kind of at the back of your head, you're thinking, oh yeah, there's this digital title I want, but... I have until May or I have until August to do it. No, no, if I were you, I would purchase that right now. <laughs> a lot of people have brought up preservation on this as well, too. And I will never downplay that. I do think that this is bad for preservation, but I don't think this is directly preservation. I will say officially and unofficially, these are preserved. Unofficially, Probably not everything, but a large majority of these libraries, these digital libraries, are available in unofficial ways, illegal ways, piracy, right? And that's probably going to be the only way going forward for a lot of these games as well, too, because there's no backwards compatibility on here. You cannot play, at least legitimately, you can't play Wii and Wii U games on the Switch. You can't bring DSiWare 3DS games onto the Switch. Uh, any virtual console games you can't bring over. Even with that, it was weird. The virtual console for the Wii, for example, uh, you couldn't. There were Wii Virtual Console and Wii U Virtual Console games, and they were two very different games. Now, if you had a Wii, you could bring, you could pretty much do a system transfer and transfer your virtual console games from your Wii to the VW on the Wii U, but they stayed in the VW, like on the on the Wii emulation mode. You didn't get Wii U virtual console versions, which even in that regard, I would say is more of a blessing because from what I understand, the Wii U virtual console games were all a step back where the Wii did virtual console quite well 
and the Wii U's virtual console had more performance issues, more glitches, and especially even I observed it with N64 virtual console games, it had this weird dark filter on them, so they were darker than they needed to be. So even in that regard, even with re-releasing stuff, they weren't doing very well. And that's kind of more what I'm talking about here, where Nintendo just... I'm not worried about the preservation on this, because like I said, a lot of these games are going to be preserved unofficially. Is it illegal? Yeah, but is it unofficial? Like, at least they're, they're there. And they can be accessed if you're going to go through those methods. Any other games that are not yet available on there, I'm sure people are ramping up methods to get them preserved in that regard in the public domain. But I'm sure there's also digital content that is just no longer accessible that nobody can find a person to dump that content that purchased that delisted game, that delisted digital content, that delisted downloadable content, whatever it might be. But when it comes to things officially... From what we've seen with GigaLeak, internally, Nintendo preserves incredibly well. So, I'll at least give them that. If you're thinking about anything internally preserved, Nintendo seems to catalog and preserve that incredibly well. So, the problem here in this regard isn't as much preservation. It's more accessibility. And that is the frustrating thing about it. Like I said... There's so many Wii U games, Wii U digital titles. I can't play on the Switch. Like, I might have, I might be using the same account, and even I think the accounts are different as well, too. Where there's, like, a Nintendo account, a Nintendo Network account, a Nintendo.com account. Like, those are all different accounts. And from what I understand, the Switch has made more of a uniform approach where they're like, hey, this is it. Like, your Switch account, like, this is going to be it going forward. But even on things like this... I know the 3DS, for example, your games, even though you, you can have an account, an eShop account, I guess a Nintendo Network ID, like on the 3DS, it's not like it's not like a gamer tag. Where, for example, I can go out right now, and this is this is nice as well too. I can go out right now to Craigslist, pay 50 bucks to get an Xbox 360, hook it up right here, pray it turns on, and then download my uh, my gamer tag onto that system, go through my digital library and start re-downloading stuff on there. It is not my original system. It is not a system that even has my licenses saved to it unless I designate it as a home console. And it is, again, a, a console from 2005 at that point that I'm taking online in 2022 and I'm downloading content onto it that I've had on my account that I've had since... 2007? Yeah, that's up. that sounds about right. I can't do the same with the original Xbox, but I can even use that account on the Xbox One. I can use it on the Xbox Series. I can use it on PC. The point is, that stuff is still accessible. Now, there's going to be games that I would want to purchase for 360, and I can't. Or, this is disappointing too, there are some games that I might have on my digital download list, but for whatever reason, just over... You know, kind of just a side effect of it being so many years old, games being delisted, content being delisted, I might not be able to download them. That is disappointing, but the point is, it's mostly accessible at that point. And that's not even counting the backwards compatibility. If there, if there's content that I purchased on the 360, let's say in 2008, and I still have the account to it, and it's backwards compatible, I can pick up an original Xbox One VCR model. And if it's on backwards compatibility, I can download that content onto there. I can go out and get the latest Xbox Series X and do the same thing on there. So there's so much content that is accessible, whether it's going to be emulated through backwards compatibility or if I have to go out and pick up the original content, sign into my account, and play it on there. On the 3DS, for example, you can't do that. If I have access to my Nintendo Network ID and I go out and I pick up a, a new 3DS and I sign into that on there, I, I don't have the games that I purchased on my old system that I might have, you know, flushed down a toilet or it got lost at a rest stop or it broke or I gave it to a family member, whatever it might be. Even though there might have been an account on there that I purchased games through, 
the licenses for any of the content that I picked up are tied to the system. So the only way I would be able to bring over any content I previously purchased, let's say five years ago, is if I still had, let's say an old 3DS that had all that on there that worked and I did a system transfer over to my new 3DS that I just picked up. That is the frustrating thing. That is the infinitely frustrating thing when it comes to Nintendo and accessibility. <laughs> It's not only needlessly complex on these systems here, and like I even said, I, I brought it up earlier with the Wii content transferring from a Wii to the VWii on there, but even so, let's say with the Wii eShop, or I guess the it was just the Wii Shop channel, that's what it was, it wasn't even the eShop, it was just the Shop channel, that even went down as well too. But let's say there was a game, an, an N64 game that I wanted to pick up, and I wanted to do it completely legitimately, right? I didn't want to pay for a used copy of it because I wanted to play it on the Wii U. It has HDMI and everything. It works out. Well, there might be a, a version of it that's quite good on the Wii Shop channel, but the Wii Shop channel went down several years ago. This is all in recent history as well, too, by the way. This has all happened in, in the past decade, at least. We've seen original Xbox Live 1.0 go down. We've seen the Wii's shop and the Wii's services go down. We're now going to see the eShop for the Wii U and 3DS go down. But let's say, with that N64 game, I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to pick it up legitimately on the Wii U's eShop. I'm going to get a worse version, mainly because of the black filter on there. That's not even including any of the other issues that might come up in terms of compatibility glitches, any of that other not-fun stuff. <laughs> so I'm, I'm locked out of a better version... And I'd have to go with a worse version on here. But even so, some people might be saying, well, this is just more of a reason to, you know, have these come over to the Switch. There's no backwards compatibility on here. There's no guarantee these, these games are going to come on here. There's going to be, what I'm saying is there's so many games that are not only native to the 3DS and the Wii U, but might be even backwards compatible on those systems. For example, DSiWare games that you can still get on the 3DS, Wii games, there were even, you know, some DS games, I suppose, that you can get on the Wii U. There are so many games like that that are going to die with these eShops when they're not made accessible, they're not made purchasable anymore. Because a lot of that content, a lot of that content will never make it off those shops. I can guarantee that. <laughs> you will never see most of this content on the Switch, or even the Switch's successors. I don't have too much else good to say about it. I really don't. And I think it's disappointing that you can see the competition with Nintendo have older systems that are staying up for longer. You have here with with the playstation series you have the ps3 storefront is still up that system came out in 2006 you have the vita storefront still up that system came out in what 2011 2012 so that's about as old as the wii u the 3ds and mind you sony did try to cancel those systems right to cancel the vita and the playstation 3 storefront and the psp as well too the psp though i i was a little bit more lenient on it and actually i think that even went down and I think I even gave them a little bit of a pass on that because I was like, hey, yeah, so from what I understand, the PSP storefront has been crippled for years already, but even so, just because of the technical limitations of the old hardware versus new networking hardware that most people have, most people cannot connect their PSP to their modern-day routers. So it's not that i'm supporting the psp storefront going down it's more so that the environment around the psp has kind of locked the storefront away from it <laughs> but the vita is still pretty easily accessible the ps3 still pretty easily accessible so i'm happy that those have stayed up like i said with the xbox 360 xbox 360 came out almost jesus christ it came out almost 20 years ago okay i'm getting old uh, it came out almost 20 years ago and I can still, like I said, grab my old system, find a system on the side of the road, assuming that it works, assuming it's not banned, get it connected online, create a new gamer tag if I want to, and pick up all that stuff. Now, do I think that Microsoft is going to shut down the 360 services 
at some point? Absolutely. I don't think it's going to be anytime super soon, but I think it's going to happen. Do I think that Sony is going to shut down those services for the Vita and the PS3? Absolutely. And I think that's going to be sooner rather than later. But Nintendo seems to close up stuff real quickly. And there's no there's no way going forward on a lot of this content, especially with that backwards compatibility stuff on there. That was also another thing that was frustrating with Sony as well, too, which a lot of people were vocal about. They said, hey, this is like the only real good way, like the Vita is really the only real good way to pick up digital PSP games, digital PS1 games, even on the PlayStation 3 side. Same thing there. Not as much PSP, but more digital PS1 titles. Uh, Digital PS3 games, of course, because those aren't backwards compatible on the PS4 or the PS5. And... I believe the shop has on PS3 has more PS2 games on it digitally than the PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5 shop does. <laughs> Even so, if you try and purchase now, like if you have a PS5 and if you try and purchase a PS2 game on there, they make it kind of difficult. I recently picked up a PS2 game on the uh, to use on the PS5, and they were really pushing. They were pushing me to get PlayStation Now. Oh, it's free if you get PlayStation Now. You can play this on PlayStation Now. You can download this through PlayStation Now. Here's a subscription to it. The way that I had to purchase this game was I think I had to use my phone. I either used the... No, I didn't use the mobile app. I was on my phone, but I had to go to the PlayStation like store site, sign into my account on there through desktop mode, and then choose to purchase that ps2 game and then i was able to send it to my ps4 ps5 to download (laughs) but the point is even there they didn't make it very easy so even if some of this content is going to come back i think it's even going to kind of lean more towards that i don't even think it is it's going to lean more towards you're not going to get ownership of this you're going to essentially be paying a subscription to rent this content um much like what game passes except game pass is pretty clear about it And Game Pass is like, hey, yeah, you're paying a monthly fee to download and play these games. Play them to your heart's content. Much like Netflix, we can list stuff, we can delist stuff, and you don't own any of this shit. But that's what they're more going towards on here. But with Nintendo, as we've seen with previous systems where they don't really carry the backwards compatibility over, where stuff that is republished natively to work, like, for example, Wii Virtual Console games and Wii U Virtual Console games will get kind of a downgrade on there. And then even now on the Switch, where we're seeing this all through Nintendo Switch Online, like Genesis, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, N64 stuff, um, you might get worse performance, worse experiences. But even if you do get good experiences, the point is you can't just buy an individual game. You're getting kind of a pack of games. They can trickle it out a little bit at a time. And it's going to be a service that you're paying for. You're no longer paying for games. You're not even going to own a license. You, you won't pay for a license. You're paying for a service. I don't like the accessibility, lack of accessibility where it's going. I don't have too much else to say on here. Um, but, you know, there's been there's been a lot. There's been a lot here, as, as you all can probably tell, that has annoyed me. Let's talk about something maybe a little more positive, right? I want to talk about a couple games here. And these games, I'm not even going to talk about the games or the gameplay or the content directly. Well, maybe, I guess, the content. But... It's more kind of just a quick thing that I really praised. Now, recently, Dying Light 2 came out. Have not played it. I'm actually going back and playing the first Dying Light, which I forgot how much I enjoyed that game. And uh, Cyberpunk uh, 2077 looks like the next generation, the ninth gen copies, had come out. Now, Dying Light 2 came out on 8th and 9th gen systems. Cyberpunk 2077, as I said, just got a big update, and that update does include... Uh, the free upgrades to the PS5 or the Xbox Series versions if you have the Xbox One and PS4 versions of the game. Now, one nice thing I'm seeing is that before these systems were released, and it was really touted for the PlayStation 5, they were talking about how amazing the solid-state drive is, and I'm not going to debate that all. It is an amazing feat of engineering right there, and that SSD is so lovely. They are talking about how it's going to make game development easier, how it's going to make accessibility so much better, but even one thing was talking about game data, where they are saying because this SSD is so fast, there's a lot of deduplication that can happen now. We don't have to have multiple copies 
of the same data spread across a hard drive. It's all going to be super blazing fast SSD flash storage. So you just need one copy of, let's say, a weapon or a sound effect, whatever it might be. It's very much in a way now going back to what we saw with CDs and DVDs and going, you know, towards flash stores and such, where on on CDs and DVDs, developers had to physically figure out where they were going to put data. So if it was something that constantly needed to be read, the poor laser wasn't just jumping from place to place and it was all cached properly. So we're having that same conversation again, since we're going from spinning platters to flash storage at this point. But on top of that as well, too, with everything being so fast and so powerful, compression was really touted as well, too. Because at this point, you know, if everything is fast enough, you can then compress your data. And if it has to be decompressed, it's going to use a lot less resources. It's not going to be as taxing on a spinning drive as opposed to the incredible flash storage that these systems have. Now, I've heard these praises. I have heard them. I've heard them. I've heard them. And I was more looking forward to the reduction in data sizes, like in storage size for these games. Because games now are huge. They are huge. And I saw some reductions here and there. But it wasn't that big. Like, Final Fantasy VII Remake, I'd seen the PS4 and PS5 builds of it. Um, Destiny 2, PS4 and PS5 builds. But I think each of those games, they weren't very dramatic in the decreases. The PS5 versions compared to the PS4 versions were maybe 10 gigabytes smaller. But when you're talking about like a 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 gigabyte game, I mean, 10 gigabytes is welcome back, but it's not a huge amount. (laughs) But one thing I've seen with these two games is that now we're getting to a point where about a year and a half into these systems life cycles, I am so happy to see proper storage, proper utilization of deduplication and compression. And it makes me happy to see this. It really does. I don't mean that sarcastically. It really does. Dying Light 2, from what I saw, the PS5 version, well, let me say, PS4 version is about 50 gigabytes, let's say. The PS5 version is like 25. So the higher quality, the better version, the better build of the game is half the size. That's awesome. That's great. Cyberpunk 2077, the same thing on there as well. The PS4 version was weighing in at almost 100 gigabytes. And the PS5 version that's out right now is like 56 gigabytes. That is great. I I love that in terms of storage space, in terms of using up less bandwidth, and just seeing proper utilization of this stuff that I was hearing about about two years ago before these systems were released. I've just been waiting like, hey, when are we going to see these dramatic decreases in file sizes to the point where I almost wasn't really believing it? Because when I was seeing stuff like, oh, well, Final Fantasy VII Remake is like 10 gigabytes smaller. Like, is that really all they can do? I, I understand there's 4K assets and everything, but no. I'm, we are now getting to the point where all this technology is properly being utilized. Makes me happy. <laughs> so if, if you have a newer system and you're worried about games getting too big, totally get that. I hear you. But it seems like we're now getting to a nice run, a nice sprint with these systems where now developers are able to compress these properly. And that's making me happy to see. <laughs> I think this is all just going to be gaming-related, man. I think this is all just going to be a gaming-related episode, but it's been a while since I've shared a story like this, right? And if you've been waiting for something like this, I apologize. It's just, you know, it just hasn't come up, or I just don't feel like sharing a story, or I can't think of a story, but I actually dug around for one, right? This is one I was going to tell before. And this is a game shop story I wanted to share. Now, for anybody who does not know, from the ages of 16 to 18, I worked at a local mom-and-pop video game store. I worked there for just over two years. Uh, It was my first legitimate job I had. Uh, Loved it. Hated it. I loved it because, you know, I I enjoyed what I did. I liked my coworkers. Um, I liked the job itself. But also hated it because, well, the job itself is it's retail. Yes, it's video games, 
but it's retail. And it even actually killed my love for video games for like three-fourths of the time that I worked there. After a few months of working there, I almost stopped playing video games completely. Like, I nearly stopped playing video games. I was barely playing anything. And I did not start to really play video games again until... It was kind of twofold. It was, I feel like I was seeing a light at the end of the tunnel because I knew that I was going to be quitting in a couple months, but I also ended up picking up a modified Xbox 360 and that started getting me back into the, the technical side of it, which I loved, started getting me back into the gaming side of it. So I reclaimed my love as I was exiting, but I wanted to share this story. So I... For a while, I was doing it where I would share, like, at least one story from these game stores. I'm hoping to get back to this here. Um, but this was about the time where the police were called because one of my coworkers was way too slow to open up the store. So I'm pretty sure... I can't remember... I honestly can't remember if I shared the story. So if I did, you know what? We might just it might just be a greatest hits, I guess. But if you didn't or if you didn't hear it, then hey, you know what? This is gonna be a fun one, I guess. So what happened was we had two stores. Now, I used to work at the smaller store, and then when the bigger store opened up, I started working at that one. And the smaller store started getting a lot less traffic, but we had a lot more storage over there. So there'd be times where we would have, you know, our console repair process was going on over there. We had a lot of overstock over there. Uh, then if we got good content and good games, good movies, good music over there, we would typically bring that over to the second store because it would sell much faster. It would move much faster. Now, there was a whole process where if you had keys to the store, you would open up the store. And my manager and I, when we worked at that first store, we pretty much like made a game of it where he would unlock the door. He's like, okay, are you ready? He said, yep. He would open up the door. We would hear the alarm beeping. He would sprint to the back of the store as fast as he could, open up the back room, enter in his pin code, and it would disable the alarm. And I want to say you had... 60 seconds that sounds about right 30 seconds doesn't seem like long enough I think it was 60 seconds and the process was if you did not disable the alarm within 60 seconds then the alarm would go off and if the alarm went off then the security company would call and if you picked up the phone when they called there was a keyword or key phrase you were supposed to give them and if you didn't give them that keyword or key phrase or if you did not pick up they would send the police there. They were just doing their job. Nothing wrong with that. Now, for the love of God, I can't remember what the keyword or key phrase was, nor would I say it on here. Um, but I can't remember what it was because I never had to use it. Every time I opened up the store, it was easy enough. I would run my butt to the back. I would enter in my pin code and everything would stop beeping. Now, there was one girl who she was a couple years younger than me. I want to say, um, I had helped train her. She seemed to be all good, but then like whenever I was training her, she was fine, but it seemed like every time she worked by herself, which is like, also maybe it was my boss's fault. He was trusting her by herself way too quickly, but every time she worked by herself, she just messed up everything. And there was one day we end up getting word that the police were called the store and we're just figuring out what's going on because I was over at the second store and the second store was big and busy enough that we typically had two people there. So if you wanted to run the store on really like a skeleton crew, you could have one person at the original store and you could, you should have two people at the bigger store. If, if everything was a little too strained or if it was just a slow day you could get away with only having one person work at the big store which i had done before one person could hold it down if they knew what they were doing which i was damn good at my job but typically you want to have two people at the bigger store so it was myself i was over at the second store and it was one of my co-workers with me i don't know how but we found out that the police were called over to the second store well the first one so of course i called over and I'm asked her, I'm like, hey, what the hell happened? Why were police there early this morning? <laughs> and I guess what happened was she was super embarrassed, but she was trying to tell me that she opened up the door and I was just like, okay, so did you not make it in time? She's like, well, no, like I dropped the keys. I'm like, how many times did you drop the keys? I think she dropped them like three times. I'm like, okay, so you dropped them like multiple times, but you weren't running, you weren't jogging, you just, 
you were walking, like how slow were you walking to the back? So she started walking to the back, I guess. And by the time she got there, it's either she didn't enter the code in time or she entered the wrong code. And then the phone started ringing. And when she picked up the phone, she panicked and she didn't know <laughs> what the passcode was, which like nobody really knew what the passcode was because we didn't need it. So then police had to come out there. It was a whole thing. My my boss had to deal with that. <laughs> she had to deal with that as well, too. The local police department had to deal with that. There was just way too many resources over her dropping the keys like three times. And I just remember like we're just all laughing about it. It was like myself and my coworkers, and we're just kind of like laughing as she's telling me because I'm just like, you, how, how did you, like we've trained you for this. How nobody has ever done this in the store like nobody <laughs> again like okay you run to the store if you if you don't choose to run walk but like how slow was the walk like and then you just coincidentally keep dropping your keys and okay okay <laughs> i think the only other time i think the only other time the alarm really would have gone off like that was um the time that store was broken into. But I'm going to tease you all with that because that is a story for another day and for another episode. We're clocking in at about one hour here, so I'd like to kind of wrap this up here. But, you know, I could say this real quick, I guess. Yeah, before we wrap this up here, typically I also talk about uh, what games I'm currently playing. So I've talked about this a little bit here, but the games I'm currently playing, uh, I ended up just spontaneously picking up Puyo Puyo Tetris 2. Now I've only seen the first one played, never actually really played it. And I've never really been a big Tetris person. I have major respect for it, but just never been super into it. But I saw it was on sale for 10 bucks physically and I decided to pick it up. And I didn't pick up the first one initially because I was like, well, it's Puyo Puyo Tetris. Like, I mean, yeah, it's a series, but it's not like I need to play the first one. But I have shockingly been enjoying Puyo Puyo Tetris 2 on Switch. At least I'm enjoying it so much that this morning I was like dreaming of Puyo Puyo Tetris. I was like having one of those like half dreams where you're like half awake, half asleep. And I was dreaming of Puyo Puyo Tetris. I'm like about 40% done with it right now, uh, but it's even to the point where I even decided to pick up the first one. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying this enough. I want to have both of them in the collection. And when I finish, I'm going to do this backwards. When I finish up the second one, I'm going to go back to the first one. But that's fine as well, too, because there is a storyline to it. I'm playing through adventure mode. I'll be honest, I just don't care about this storyline. I'm just skipping all the story stuff, and I'm just getting straight to the action on here. Um, I also end up playing and finishing. My girlfriend and I ended up co-oping Sin and Punishment on the N64. Funny enough, on the Switch, through the N64 service on there, which, you know, I kind of talked a little bit negatively about, I guess. But I will say, I was impressed at it running well enough. I was impressed at how good it looked as well, too. Like, it just looked clear. It looked clean. We really didn't run into many issues, aside from the networking issue. That That's the main thing um, that I don't like about the N64 service. Like, if you're playing online... It's very much, it ties the speed to the weakest link. So if you're playing with one other person, whoever has the worst connection, everyone's experience in the lobby will get turned down to that connection. So the sound slows down. The game itself slows down. Every, it, it, the, the game actually slows down so that everyone is matched up to be on the same level as the weakest link in the network. So that's disappointing. I don't really like that. I really don't. Especially when you can play other games as well, too, where it's like, this was just in 64 games where we tried, we finished up Sin and Punishment, which was super fun, by the way. Very much enjoyed it. Challenging. Definitely needed the um, save states on there. But very fun. And also disappointing that it never got an official release over in the U.S. Because the game is completely done in English. Like, the only thing is, like, the, the menus are in English, the game itself is playable, all, the voice acting is all in English, and then it's just subtitled in Japanese. But for whatever reason, even though it was pretty much ready for localization, it just did not come over to the U.S., and I'm not all too sure why on that. I think the only times it's come over has been through emulation. I believe it was the first time it was ever officially released in the U.S. was on the Wii eShop. 
I think it also got into the Wii U eShop, and now it's on, you know, Nintendo Switch Online. But either way, it was super fun to play. But Mario Kart 64, we've been playing that as well, too. Uh, same issue on there, where whoever the weakest link is, the entire game will slow down to bring everyone down to that level. But then we can go and play Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, same connections and everything, and it seems to be working just fine. So I guess, you know, it's been a lot of that. And I guess the other game I've been playing, too, has been the original Dying Light. Funny enough, I picked that up as well, too, on Switch. Um, very impressed with the port, and I've just been having fun playing it portably. But I picked it up before this, but I started playing it the day that Dying Light 2 released. I don't know why. I just, Dying Light 2 came out, I was like, I feel like going back to play the original Dying Light. And... I don't really know why I dropped the game, because I forgot how much I enjoyed it. Now, granted, if you've never played Dying Light, I will say the first two, three hours are not very great. They're slow, they're tedious, you feel super weak, but then once you start getting used to the gameplay mechanics, the game itself, and especially when you start leveling up your character, it is a treat. So I will tell you, if you play Dying Light and you were initially pretty turned off by it, just try. Just try to give it a genuine shot for a few hours. Put a few hours into it. Maybe even after you put a few hours in, save, go to sleep, give it another shot the next day, pick up after your save. And you'll notice as you get used to it, but as more of the game opens up, as you get more abilities, as your character becomes stronger, it is a true joy and it is a treat with all the parkour the combat the environment everything i love the first game so yeah that's that's about it they're kind of just pending this here at the end but that's also something i always talk about where just talk about the games that are currently being played now for the final thing here let's go ahead and actually wrap this up let's wrap this up and the way i like to wrap up these episodes is i like to pick a keyword or a key phrase and if you use this keyword or key phrase in the comment on that you leave on the YouTube upload, then I'll know that you've made it to the end. So if you're one of those people who you're listening to the podcast version, don't worry, you're not excluded on here. If you're listening to the podcast version, go ahead and make your way over to the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel and leave a comment with this keyword or key phrase. And let's use, usually I just use a word of something that I'm seeing on my desk here. But let's use the word coaster. Do you like roller coasters? Do you hate roller coasters? Are you one of those people where you would use failed burn CDs and DVDs like bad burns as drink coasters? Do you like collecting drink coasters? Have you 3D printed your own drink coasters? What do you think of Roller Coaster Tycoon? What do you think of Planet Coaster? Let me know. If you use the word coaster in your comment on the YouTube upload, I'll know that you've made it to the end. Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. Until next month.